it's not on. Oh, you're looking at the camera? It's on. It is on? All right. Well, good morning. Everybody well today? Hallelujah. Um, <coughs> I was uh, visiting with my mom yesterday, my mom and uh, my sister and her daughter and new grandbaby and Olivia and I went over to visit with my mom. They had a a welcome party for new um, residents. She moved into a, a, we'll call it a retirement community because that's what they call it. And it's called the uh, the Bentley. And um, I was, we, we had lunch with her there after we finished. And uh, after, well, and then last night we had a birthday party for me. And so it was a busy day, right? Lots, lots to do, and I needed to prepare for my teaching. And so we, we stayed and had lunch with my mom until like almost, uh, it was probably 1.30. And uh, I basically, I, I kind of sat up and I said, we've got to go. <laughs> I said, I have to go get ready for my teaching because I have to teach Sunday school tomorrow. And then I stopped and I said, no, I don't have to teach Sunday school tomorrow. I get to teach Sunday school tomorrow. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that... Um, all of us sometimes can be guilty of the way that we the, that we look upon uh, the blessing of what we get to do here uh, in ministry and teaching and and uh, leading by example and all of that. And um, I was thinking about that this morning as I was tightening up my teaching on love. And um, I want to talk today about love and um, specifically about what I see out there in the world today, which is a lack of love. And um, I think that being introspective and reflective and, and having some self-examination around this topic is good for, for all of us. Because we, you know, we, 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 we're not of the world, we are in the world, and it's just this constant churn of, of stuff that's a negative. And you look around and you're like, man, <laughs> where, where is the love? You know, there's, it, there seems to be very little of it. And I know that in the world... Um, you know, there's a lot of hate and vitriol and um, judgmentalism and, you know, strong opinions and all that. Uh, but my, my, my concern is, and, and not my fear, but maybe my fear, is that it's in the church, too. Um, and we all suffer from it. And I think it's one of those things that if we don't pay attention to it and, and, and constantly be looking inward and how do you know how do we react how do we act um, you know we're, we're as guilty as anybody else and and we're called to be what the light you know light and salt to the world that's around us and if we just blend in and act the same way they do how are we any different right I see Tammy laughing you get it you know I mean it's just we're not any different and, and we are called and set apart to be different. <clears throat> and I'll, <laughs> I'll start with an example of myself. So we live on Gaston, and it's a busy street. Uh, it's not too busy on Saturdays and Sundays, but during the week, it's, it's very busy. So um, I can't remember what day it was. It was a weekday, maybe Thursday or Friday. But um, they've been doing some work in our alley, and it's been just destroyed for like a year and a half. It feels like five. So we've had to park, you know, all of us in the front. So getting out in the morning, they're shuffling cars and moving and parking down at the end of the uh, at the end of the block and what have you. 
But um, the other morning, I'm, I'm I'm backing out and I'm looking down Gaston, and it's there's a long way down there, and there's I see a car, but it's way down there. So I'll go ahead and, and back up. And as I, I back up and I start to go, this car comes flying by me, just laying on the horn. Okay, and I'm thinking <laughs> you had to be going really fast to get from all the way down there to here. And where's the love? Right? I mean, you have brakes on your car. You know, it's a busy street. There's nobody else out here. But you could have, you know, you could have slowed down. So what did I do? Did I stop and, and pray, Lord, give that person grace and patience? No. I laid on my horn back. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I can't believe you're honking at me. And I just, like, laid on the horn. And after I was done honking <laughs> at this person that I was frustrated with and not showing any grace towards I really did get convicted and I thought unless <laughs> you did not show any love to that person you know <laughs> Dennis thank you honk if you love Jesus baby I laid on that horn for a long time <laughs> so so anyway um, this is a topic that I, I, I the Lord is really my heart to chat about with you i would like it to be a little interactive um it already is a little interactive but i would love for you to share if you have something or if something pops up or you're like oh my gosh i did the same thing last week you know um let, let's let's talk amongst ourselves okay iron sharpens iron uh and we all need that i think so uh, i'm gonna pray real quick lord we just love you and you have called us to be light and salt into a dying and lost world. And we pray that as we go throughout our, our day in this earth, yes, that we walk in the Spirit, but as we walk in the earth, that we are that light that you've called us to be and that we would be mindful of our, um, <laughs> our outward displays and um, that we would love our neighbors, ourselves, and that we would um, pray for those who um, maybe don't treat us as we see, see fit that they should treat us. So uh, we ask that you would be in the center of our discussions, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would uh, move amongst us. And again, Lord, it's not uh, a duty to bring your word ever. It's a blessing and a privilege. And I thank you for that opportunity today, and I ask that you would bless all of us in this place. And let us glorify you in our discussions today. In the name of Jesus, amen. <coughs> all right, so... Um, you have a teaching sheet, and I believe Scott's probably put one up on the uh, website if you need to pull one down if you're listening to me from afar. We're going to start, though, in Matthew 22, 34 to 40. I'm sorry, 30, yeah, 34 to 40. We're going to do a lot of reading today and then have some discussion, and there's uh, this is um, longer than I would normally do, and if we don't get through it all, that's fine. We'll just do what the Lord has us to do today, okay? <clears throat> So beginning in Matthew 22, 34 through verse 40, it says, But when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> I love, again, I've said this before, I love the, the, um, the imagery we get when we read the word, and I'm sure some of this is the translators, this is the, the King James Version. But um, it says that Jesus said, On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Have any of you ever hung a picture? You put a nail in the wall and you hang it up, right? If you don't have the nail in there, kind of hard to hang a picture on the wall, right? So the commandments are framed and are hanging on the nail of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it doesn't say love your neighbor if you agree with his philosophy or love your neighbor if you agree with his uh, political beliefs. It says love your neighbor. Okay? Cate uncategorically. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we've talked in our house about, um, you know, loving others. And we had a, we were blessed to have a, a realtor that sold us the two houses that we've owned in our life together. <laughs> and um, he would, he was a believer. And, and, he told us some something one time that's always stuck with me, I think also with Monica. He said, you know, Jesus loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Okay? And and, and I think that in the world today, there's there's not that differentiation. It's you know, it's like there there's so much hate out there that you know, the the, the sinners hated along with the sin. And we can't do that, right? Because Jesus did not come to save the saved. He came to save the sinner, that which was lost, right? That which was not displaying love towards their brothers. So when we read um, these passages today about love, the word that we're looking at is, it's agape, agapeo. It's that, that, that um, social moral love for one's brothers okay brotherly love if you will isn't that what philadelphia means brotherly love yeah <clears throat> so you know i do i do believe that one of the biggest challenges we face i mean if you if you asked you know 10 people what are the biggest challenges we face in the world today you'd get a lot of answers but you you would find um a few on everybody's list okay I don't know that they would say that the biggest challenge we face in the world today is there's not enough love. Okay, I though do believe that one of the biggest challenges we face is there's just not enough love in the world today. Um, like light displaces darkness, I believe that love displaces and overcomes hatred. Now, when I wrote when I when I made my notes earlier, I had written down evil. Okay, so I had written down. Like light displaces and overcomes darkness, love displaces and overcomes evil. And this is the benefit of the Lord giving you something to teach on a few days before the morning before you're supposed to teach, is you get to ponder your thoughts, right? And I thought about that. I thought um, evil is not the opposite of love, okay? Evil, I would propose, is the opposite of good, right? But the opposite of love would be hate, okay? You either love your brother 
or you hate your brother or you're you know you're in somewhere in the middle but i i think that um that if if we remember and and focus on the fact that love does overcome hatred that if 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 we display that love of the lord um, those around us those that we interact with um that will go a long way towards displacing some of the hatred in the world today um and i do wonder sometimes why is there so much hate you know are we so set in our opinions and our beliefs that if you don't believe like I do, I'm going to hate you? What do you think? I think, that's, I, think, I think that's a fair assessment of what's going on in a lot of corners of our, of our world. And I noted down here that it's, it's kind of like a vacuum. Um, if, if, if all the love has been sucked out of the world, you know, when you put your finger in a glass of water, right, and you pull your finger out, does the impression of your finger stay in the water? Of course not. You pull your finger out, and the space that your water was in is, or that your finger was in, is immediately filled up with water. If you take out all, I'm not saying all the love, but if you take the love out, it's going to be filled, right, with something, and it's probably going to be filled with the opposite of love, which is hatred. So I just, these are some of the musings in my head. You know, I, I do wonder about that. If, if, if so much of the love's been sucked out of the world, has it been, is that why we have um, so much conflict uh, and, 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 and um, I don't know, just all the, 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 the judgmentalism that we have and that if you don't see it my way, then take the highway. Um, I, I don't know. But I know that the, you know, the carnally-minded world that we live in are are guilty of not loving like they should but the religious uh the religious in the world today and and even the church i believe are we're all guilty of not loving our neighbor as ourselves and 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 of being quick to judge and being slow to listen okay and slow to hear somebody else's heart right (laughs) we were walking the dogs the other day and we were talking about different neighbors that we see in the in the neighborhood and and um, you know you form opinions on about people that you see whether it's um, a political ad in their yard or you know the way they don't talk to you in the morning or the way they don't say hi when you say hi back whatever it is <laughs> right <laughs> that's a good one I, I'm telling you right now Stacy I've been guilty of that very thing we have these new neighbors and I'm like Y'all, that is great. No, that I'm I'm the the, the <laughs> We have these new neighbors that live in the home to the left of us. If you're looking at our house, it's this one here. And um we loved Tony Tony and Courtney that were our neighbors before and just had a great uh, relationship with them and this new couple's moved in it's just the two of them no kids and I think they have what three or four or two or three big dogs like great Dane dogs um, and I mean they're loud enough that our dogs can hear their dogs barking in the house from inside of our house and start barking okay 
but none, nonetheless, um, I noticed that when you pull into our driveway, which we got a new driveway a while back, and we're so excited about that because you don't have to like step out of the car into the dirt and mud when it's raining out. Um, on their side, the corner there, there's this little wall, right? And it was just full of weeds. I mean, like tall weeds growing up. And I'm like, man, you know, you pull into our house and we have a nicely mowed yard and landscaped and we're trying to make it look pretty. And then we got this one little corner. It's just like this weed infested corner. So the guy's out in his front yard doing something. And I walk over to him. I say, hey, quick question for you. So, yeah, I'm like. This corner over here with all these weeds, um, are you planning on doing anything with this? Because if you're not, I can get my yard guy to take care of this corner for you. And he's like, oh, no, you know, we just moved down. I'm trying to decide how to handle this. And, you know, I know it looks pretty bad. But, um, you know, my wife bought me a mower the other day. And Monica and I were are laughing. We were looking out. And he was it was one of those mowers, the cylinder things that have the blades that you, you move along. And it, like, whirls. <laughs> the guy's mowing his yard like that. And I'm like, well, maybe he's very green. You know, doesn't want to put pollutants into the atmosphere. I think that's, I think onion, I love the guy, okay. But, but yeah, Courtney, our neighbor, she said he was an onion farmer. I think that's code, onion farmer. That's my loving wife. Why would anybody lie about being an onion farmer? <sighs> All right, we we digress. This is all it's all good. <laughs> He did leave it up longer than you would expect someone to leave a sign up after the election was over. I I guess, you know, the bottom line is um, at the end of the day, when we are at the end of this pathway that we're all walking towards eternity, right, and we have stepped over the river and we're knocking on the door and... Whoever is the gatekeeper opens and says, why should you get to take the escalator up, right? Everything else isn't going to matter, right? There's a song by Bruce Springsteen. That evangelist from Philadelphia. He said, it, there's a line in one of these songs that said, all those things that seem to be so important, well, mister, they vanished right into the air. And and, and and I think about that line, the line in that song. I'll play it for you sometime. I see you pondering. <laughs> it's a great, I think it's called The River 
the song is called The River. It's a it's a very haunting song, but I think about the words of that song. I mean, just the, the thought will pop into my head. All those things that seem to be so important, well, mister, they vanish right into the air. The day's going to come where we look back and we think all those things that seem to be so important, they do not matter anymore. Okay? So living with that perspective, and, and maybe that's why the Lord has allowed me to have the boss's words ringing in my ears for so long. All those things that seem to be so important, they don't matter anymore. Is to keep perspective as we walk down this road together. Because having perspective and, and, and being able to differentiate from the things that really matter versus the things that really don't matter is really important. Don't you think? And I think that we spend 80% of our time focused on the things that really don't matter. 80 rule. I mean, it applies to everything. So love really matters. If it is the nail in the wall that all the commandments hang on, that's important. Amen? I'd love that, honey. wonderful testimony thank you yeah but just I mean wow well if we challenge ourselves to have that attitude when we go into the grocery store or whatever and you see unhappy people you know make the effort to smile or how are you or good morning or whatever some people are very startled by that and they're like okay good morning you know it's just because they're so in that mindset so that's the world we live in, and that's the world that we're called to be light 
into a dark place and that's that's right monica the the love of the lord within us we have to let that shine right and there's something we'll talk about here in a minute um that love it monica you said <coughs> that we all have that in us we do have it in us but i think it's kind of like when when, when y'all were kids did y'all ever tame you probably did this in school you put soda powder and the ca- volcano thing and then you pour vinegar on it and then it explodes over right those two ingredients they have to be activated you know if you have the the baking soda over here and the vinegar over here and you don't combine them they just are sitting there doing nothing right but when you combine them then you get the volcanic eruption right <clears throat> i think we have the love inside of us and let's say that is the powder now let's say that's the vinegar and then we have the holy spirit inside of us and that's the powder we have to activate that Holy Spirit within us, and then that love comes out of us. But if we're not, I, I believe, if we're not actively engaging the Holy Spirit and communing with Him, when you do that, you're, you're combining those two elements together, and then that volcanic eruption takes place of you, that, that, that light like that, that guy manifested while he's standing there looking at that woman at the counter, that's able to come out of him. Because he engaged the Holy Spirit. He, he was in the presence of the Lord in his car, right? And I believe that, that during that communion with the Lord, it, it, it activated that, that spirit within him. And so when he walked into that Starbucks, the light of the Lord was shining out of him. Okay? So I think, it's a, I think that, yes, the, 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 the love of the Lord, the light of the Lord is within us. But how many of you know, you think about the battle. I think it was Gideon, right, where they surrounded the army and they had the, 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 the clay pots over the torches. Wasn't that Gideon? Yeah. Was, okay, if you have a torch right here and I put a clay pot over it and this torch is flaming, it's emitting what? Light. You put the clay pot on top of the torch and you hold it off in the distance in the dark, you don't see any light, right? There's light within that clay pot but you don't see it, okay? There has to be a transaction take place, either breaking of the pot or lifting of the pot, right? Something has to happen. An action has to take place for that light to show, to show forth. And, and that's, I think that's part of the challenge in the, in the church, especially today, is yes, there's love in the believers, but there is not this activation that causes that love to, to show forth and to manifest itself into a lost and dying world. Just one man's opinion. I mean, that's just an in, in, in observation. We are not done with page one, and it is 927. Um, all right, so let's read uh, the second part here. I titled it Pure Religion, Undefiled, a True Display of Love, James 1, 26 to 27. If any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. A couple of things here. It says, if any man among you, 
James speaking to believers, right? Seems to be religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, right? His religion is vain. You know, I've heard it said that if, 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 you, if you tell your something, yourself something long enough, you will believe it. Whether it's true or not, if you keep telling yourself that, you're going to believe it. And, you know, when, 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 when we look at religion these days, there's a lot of spewing forth. And some of it is biblically based and some of it is twisted. Okay? But the twisted stuff, if you, if you preach it long enough, you start to believe it. Right? And your religion becomes vain. Your religion becomes of, of, of no effect for the kingdom of God. But I think it's interesting that James contrasts this vain teaching with this action of visiting the fatherless and widows. And, and he says that's really <laughs> true religion. Okay. Well, what is visiting fathers and widows? That's you taking time out of your busy schedule to take action towards someone else that's in a time of need, right? The fatherless and the widows. I mean, you look at a widow. She loses her husband. They've been married for 30 years. She's like a ship lost on the sea. You know, her rudder's gone. She's in need. And that's true religion, getting out there and 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 doing something for other people, right? Especially somebody who's in the midst of need or the fatherless. I mean, you take a a kid who loses his dad that they were close to. I mean, man, that's you know that's a painful uh, period of time, and that's a that's a period of time where if there's not some good input put in there, that person's future is going to be could be way different, right? So I just I, I like James's um, discussion there about you know religion and we could we could equate that with with love for your fellow fellow man. Um, you know up here in the first part that we read about the Pharisee and the lawyer testing uh, Jesus, and um, you know Jesus says love your your neighbor as yourself. I, I title this next part who is our neighbor? You know is it is it is it the couple that moved in next door to us? Yeah, that's a neighbor. But let's let's read about who our neighbor is. Luke 10, 25 to 37. And behold, a certain lawyer, leave it to the lawyers, right? They're always getting in there, right? Trying to prove their point. A certain lawyer stood up and again tested Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what's written in the law? <clears throat> How do you read it? And he answered, and he said, Well, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus says unto him, Well, you've answered right, so do that, and you'll live. But the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, then who is my neighbor? Okay? And Jesus answers with a story. And I love that because Jesus was like the ultimate storyteller. He answers with a story and he says, look, there was a certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. Sorry, you guys. My, uh, okay. um, he fell among thieves which 
stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, and they left him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and the priest, when he saw this man, he walked across the, to the other side of the street and passed by him. So he didn't want to face it, right? He, he didn't even walk by him and let, you know, Lord, pray for the, you know, I pray for this man. He actually walked over to the other side of the street, so he didn't have to, you know, he's probably like scratching his head when he walked by, so he didn't have to see him. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, he came and he looked on him, but he passed on to the other side. But a certain Samaritan, and remember, this is Jesus talking to a group of Jews and the Samaritans. The, the Samaritans were hated. Okay, they were, in, in the Jews' eyes, they were, they were vile, dirty, filthy people. Okay? So Jesus says, well, look here. So now we have the Samaritan. As he's on his journey, he came where this man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, he poured oil and wine on them, he set him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. Okay, now I su suspect this Samaritan was traveling with a purpose. He was probably going somewhere. It may, may have been a business trip or to see family or something. He was doing something, I suspect, not just wandering about with all the time in the world on his hands he stopped he took time out of out of his day what he was doing and he, he brings this guy to the end and he takes care of him we don't know if he took care of him for a day or for a week but we know that he took care of him and on the morrow he departed and he took money out of his pocket and he gave it to the host and he said look you take care of him and any more that you spend beyond this when i come again i will repay you And Jesus asks this Levite, now which of these three do you think was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, him that showed mercy on him. And so Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You know, when we talk about love and, and we ask ourselves, you know, who is our neighbor? Jesus just told us who our neighbor was. And when we ask ourselves, you know, what is love? And, 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 and when I say that the, the world lacks love these days, what am I talking about? I'm talking about this kind of love. Love that's displayed through mercy and caring concern for others. Okay? We are all so freaking busy with our own day and our own purposes and our own will and our own tasks that we have to get through today, those things we're going to look back and say, boy, those things didn't really matter. That we don't have compassion on people. We don't have and we don't show or display mercy like we should. I didn't, dis <laughs> I didn't display mercy to the guy that honked at me, did I? <laughs> no. I honked back. You know, shame. <laughs> Y'all missed that part. Um, you know, I, I was just as, as wrong as he was, right? <clears throat> hey, Les. Uh huh. Um, I love that 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 love is so wrapped up in the purpose of God. You know, the agape is so it's breathing hard after His purpose, and and I think it. You know, I think about Jesus in the Gate Beautiful, and I, I think about, or the Pool of Bethesda, how many times he walked past all of those people. 
people that were crippled or whatever and didn't do anything. Does that mean he didn't love them? No. That means that he he did what he saw his father do, and so his father guided and directed him. And it goes back to what you were talking about, about the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And I think that we have to... There's a, there's a sick and dying world out there. Everywhere you turn, there's a need. And, and of course, you know, philanthropically, we want to fill all those needs, but at the same time, we have to be so careful that we are following in that agape, in his purpose, being guided by that spirit to know, because you can't be all things to all people, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I just, I, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in because, um, I mean, I love this story. <laughs> I would hope that my heart would do the same thing, right? But uh, I just think we have to be so in tune with what our Father is directing us to do through His Spirit. You know, and it, it goes back to the WWJD, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? So, anyway. That's really good, Monica, because <coughs> when you were sharing, I started thinking about... Um, you know, Jesus talking to the poor, I'm sorry, talking to his disciples about the poor. And he makes this comment, because I have a heart for the poor, right? Um, and the needy, and the homeless. But Jesus tells his disciples, he says, look, yeah, you see all these poor? There's always going to be poor among you, right? But you only have me for a very short season, right? And... It's the same way with us today. I mean, we look out in the world, there's no way that we could fill all the needs in the world. There's just no way. There's just, it, it couldn't happen. I mean, the Lord could, but your point is really good. And that's why I talked earlier about, you know, the, the, the baking soda and the vinegar. We have to activate that. We have to, we can't do it in our own will. We can't do it in our own mind. We have to do it in the guidance and presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be in tune with the Spirit to know which scenarios to step into. But as, as far as displaying empathy and care and love to those around us, we, I believe we, we, we all have to do that. Okay? Jesus hates the sin. We hate the sin. But he loved the sinner. We have to love the sinner. Um, but you're right, Monica, that's a, a really good point. Thank you for sharing. <clears throat> so uh, next part here, I, I, I titled it, Where Has the Love Gone? Matthew 24, 1 through 14. Jesus went out and he departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus looked around and he said, um, you see not all these things. Verily I say unto you that there will not be one stone left upon another that will not be thrown down. And I'm sure they walked off and his disciples were looking at each other like, what is he talking about? <clears throat> Jesus sits down on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be? What's going to be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things have to come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in all kinds of places. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. They'll kill you. You'll be hated of all nations for my namesake. O oh, joy. And then shall many be offended. One will betray one another. One will hate the other. Many false prophets will rise, and they will deceive many. And then he says this. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus says, because of iniquity and the fact that iniquity is abounding in the land, the love of many will grow cold. So I, I wonder, you remember Superman? The one thing that got him was what? Kryptonite. Fabian would have known that. Okay. We all knew it. Okay. You just didn't want to say. I thought a rhetorical question. You were going to answer it yourself, and you did. I did. Kryptonite. Ben tells me my iced tea is no kryptonite. <laughs> But I wonder, you know, when, when I talk about observing in the world today and there seems to be no love or not much of it, um, is iniquity the kryptonite of love? You know, is, is there so much iniquity abounding in the world today? Is that why the love of so many has grown cold? I, I'm not saying it is or isn't. Um, I'm just asking the question. And I think that's worth, worth pondering, um, you know. Jesus says right here to his disciples, in the end days, iniquity will abound and the love of many will grow cold. So I think as the torchbearers, the light in this world, we have to be very careful and cautious about, um, you know, we, we live in a very iniquitous world, do we not? We do. We can't let that cause our love to grow cold. We can't let that cause us to honk back, right? We're supposed to bless those that curse us, aren't we? That's what my Bible says. You know, a person will, a person just doesn't do something wrong until they have first decided to ignore what is right, mm. to reject what is right. I mean, they're born with that right mm -hmm. and wrong mm -hmm. sense. And just as in iniquity, the more that they reject what the Spirit is telling them, let's mm -hmm. face it, it, that's what it is, mm -hmm. the more callous they become. And that creates the iniquity, and the iniquity creates more um, disobedience of all kinds. So good. Of all kinds. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's the love of many waxing cold, right. is the rejection of the good which the Holy Spirit is inspiring. You know, that makes me think about the, the discussion we've had before about Adam and Eve in the garden, right? It wasn't the fact that they sinned, it's the fact that they rejected God and partnered with Satan. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's, that's what you're saying. It's they, they've rejected good yeah. and partnered with iniquity. Yeah, we don't, just, we don't just do something evil until first we have rejected wow. the good. I think that iniquity is more subtle than that. I think that 
I mean, I, I have some examples in mind that I will not speak of, but let's say when someone falls away, you know, having watched it for 25 years, happened many times here, what I saw was someone, the twisting within them, because of some desire that they had, that became the most important aspect of their pursuit. Mm. And therefore, their, their passionate pursuit of the agape waxed cold because sure. their passions were divided. They were, they were set on, a, on, on another mark. Mm. And so um, when we, you know, and just in a spiritual sense, there's so many ways to look at this verse. I mean, what, I'm not saying that what you guys have said is incorrect, but when I read this, this is the way I interpret it. As a, you know, in a spiritual way, iniquity itself is a twisting. So mm -hmm. it means that something within you causes you to pursue something else. You don't bring it into alignment. You don't harness that soulish nature. Right. And um, it's kind of like when the Garden of Eden, like you said, I mean, the enemy tempted Eve, and instead of her hearkening to what, you know, her commune with God had taught her, mm -hmm. something he said tempted her. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get to see everything. God's trying to keep you from doing that. I mean, people are always motivated by something they don't get to have or something they really want that they're not being allowed to, you know, whatever oh, yeah. that is. Some, we all have insecurities and needs, and those those really do play off our iniquities. They cause us to react and miss the mark because they're just within us, and we it motivates a lot of our, you know, our actions. But of course, the spirit is there to help us not do that. That's what we're being trained for, and you know, we're being changed and going through all of this, you know, process of, of restoration within us. I mean, that's what we're trying to overcome is that iniquitous mm -hmm. twisting that would cause us to not, you know, go after the passion of our Father, but to pursue these other passions for whatever reason. So I mean, that's just kind of the way I I looked at that. Verse. So good. But I. I agree. I mean, it's talking about the agape waxing cold. You know, you're not pursuing the purpose of the Father anymore. Right. Yeah. But that all that's going to trickle into every aspect of your life. Absolutely. You yep. Absolutely. Has everybody read uh, the Pilgrim's Progress? If you've not, you should. It's such a good book, and and Monica discovered somewhere on the World Wide Web, I think, <coughs> that it's the second most read religious book next to the Bible, and it's about the pilgrim and the progress he makes down the path of life towards eternity, and what made me think of it, Stacey, is I, while you were explaining that in my mind, you know, we have this pathway of righteousness, right, that we're walking on, but then we have some misdirected what it, passions, right, and we start going this way so we've now left that path of righteousness and we when, when we get off that path in this in in the book he he gets off the path a lot but he talks about his struggles and battles and how he had to fight to overcome that and then he got back on the path to righteousness and then he got veered off on this this you know over here on this and he had to fight and battle and he won and overcame and he got back on the path and basically he walks the path and makes progress towards the river and the river is the end, right? That's where you go across the river and you're in eternity with the Lord. And, you know, he talks about how for some the river is ankle deep and for some the river is knee deep and for some <laughs> the river, it's a raging, you know, battle to get across the river. And um, 
It, it made me think of that when you, because that's a really good way that you that you interpret that scripture, because it is true. We 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 have our passions misdirected, and until we acknowledge that, right, and battle it out and fight that and get back on the path, who knows how far down that rabbit trail we're going to go. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing. <coughs> yes. Yeah, you think you're doing you right. Think you're doing right, and you're deceived. Mm. And uh, you know, deception is a very um, it's a dangerous place to be. Oh yeah. Of course, but um, you know, somebody, some don't even realize that they are deceived, and and then their passion for the Lord waxes cold, mm. and they they may not even realize that you know where they are mm-hmm. spiritually. And pray for ourselves that we would have good discernment, right? Because without discernment, <coughs> we could be deceived. Right. Even the very elect. <laughs> Even the very elect, that's right. <coughs> um, righty then. We'll keep going for a little bit. <coughs> um, scarcely for a righteous man will one die. So Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience works uh, experience. I'm sorry, and patience and experience and experience works hope. Uh, and hope makes not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love or showed his love to us in the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um... I believe this this passage where it says because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us that's an example that's a scriptural tenet for this activating the Holy Spirit because God's love is shed in our heart by the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is the one that activates that love in within us and that's why I think it's so important to be engaging um, the Holy Spirit within us through 
tongues and diversities of tongues and commune with the Father in our, our heavenly language. Um, let's see here. Greater love has no man than this. John 15, 8 through 13. Jesus speaking here. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the fathers loved me, so have I loved you. So continue in my love. If you, com- if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. This is Jesus' commandment, speaking to his disciples, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17 to 19 also goes on to say, These things I command you, that you love one another. In the world, I'm sorry, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Um, that certainly fits all the people who believe in all I think you're right. Hello. You know, I, most of the time when we read this, um, we, we kind of focus on the fact that greater love has no man than, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And we think about, you know, like Monica made me aware of this. She said, you know, everybody reads that and they think, well, I'm, I'm going to take a bullet for you, Tammy. You know, so I'm going to die so that you didn't have to. There's no greater love than that. And that's true. Um, But there's more to this um, than just that, I think. You know, loving in the face of hate, that's a tough one. Loving our enemies, it's easy to love those that love us, but loving our enemies, that's, that's that's another hard one. You know, do, do we, do we love, do we show love towards others? when they hate us or do we honk back do we hate back you know we can't do that less we're to love like Jesus loved his disciples how did he love his disciples how did Jesus love others okay what are some what are some stories that we read in the bible about Jesus loving others and how he handed handled others that were in the in the midst of uh, doing wrong and I'm going to share the story with you it's um, uh, John 8 1 to 11 it's not on your handout but I just I love it because again I love the the imagery of it John 8 1 to 11 this is um, Jesus he's in the Mount of Olives early in the morning uh, he's come again to the temple and all the people came to him and they sat down and he taught them and the scribes and the Pharisees come in and they're they're dragging this woman that was taken in adultery right they drag her in and they set her in the midst of all the people and they look at him and they say master this woman was taken in adultery in the in the, in the midst of the very act now Moses and the law commanded us and said that such should be stoned but what do you say <laughs> 
They said that, tempting Jesus, that they might have a, a cause to accuse him. So they ask him. Now remember, here, here they are in the temple, right? Jesus is, is preaching. He's been interrupted. There's a throng of people around. The religious leaders of the day drag this woman in. She's, you know, who knows what state she's in. Very fearful, I'm sure, right? Because she's afraid she's going to be stoned. And they ask Jesus. Jesus does not even answer them. He stoops down. He sits down in the dirt, and he starts, you know, drawing a picture in the, in the dirt with his finger. Jesus stoops down with his finger, and he writes on the ground as though he didn't even hear him. And they continued asking him, you know, what do you say about this? He lifted himself up, and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And then he stoops back down again. Starts drawing in the dirt. When they heard it, they were convicted by their own conscience. And one by one, they went out of the temple, beginning with the oldest, the wisest amongst them, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, him and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus stood up, he saw no one but the woman. And he looks at her and he says, Woman, where are all your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she says, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I love that story. That's, that's a powerful, powerful story, right? Did Jesus, did he have the right to condemn her? Of course he did. That was the Jewish law, right? She was supposed to be stoned according to the law. But praise the Lord, we do not live under the law. We live under the law of grace, And this is like the most beautiful example of grace that there is to me. I'm, uh, I know there's many others in the Bible, but wow, right? <coughs> That's love. And, and, and love, true love that we will show to the world has to be um, full of grace, okay? A, a display of grace. Okay, if you, if if in a, if in a, an unrighteous world that's going off the tracks, if you display love through an unexpected display of grace, you are going to make an impact. Okay, did he make? Did Jesus make an impact on everybody that was in that temple that day? I think so. Right, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Everybody in that place started examining themselves. Well. I can't throw the rock, you know. I know I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, right? So um, that to me is just is is a, is a wonderful. We're slow, or not slowly. We're qu quickly running out of time. Um, you know, we we talk about greater love has no man than this. Then he lays down the life his life for his friend. Um, I, I think that John 3.16, which is like the only, when I was growing up, um, 
my dad is is a believer, but not I would say, yeah, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's a believer, but not I'm going to say not. Or, or when I was growing up, he wasn't an active believer, right? I mean, there wasn't church every Sunday. I mean, he lived in a he lived a wild life, okay. Um, but growing up, he would always. He, he could always quote for me, and it may have been the only scripture that he could quote was John three sixteen. A popular one <laughs> amongst the masses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. When you talk about the greatest display of love, to me, it's not me taking a bullet for you. It's the fact Especially, I think, because I'm a dad. You know, for all of us who are dads, you think about the love you have for your children, um, for your son. And you think about the Lord giving his own son's life, not his life, his own son's life, for a bunch of people. I mean, not only is that the greatest display of love, that's almost incomprehensible love to me okay um, and that's what he did you know we're thankful to Jesus that Jesus allowed himself to be spit upon cursed at stripped of his clothing nailed to a tree no bones broken but nailed to a tree and died the most cruelest of deaths for us and we are so thankful for that, right? But I think oftentimes we don't think enough about the fact that it was Abba, Father, that loved us enough that al allowed that to happen, okay? That, to me, is the greatest display, <coughs> display of love. Amen? Um, I'm going to hit this. I, I know we're just about out of time, but I, I want to talk briefly about this because um, we talk a lot about the offices in this house, you know, prophet, teacher, seer, evangelist, apostle, etc. And we also talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Um, we're a pneumatikos spiritual house, and that's a big focus of our ministry. But I was reading this recently, and I read something that I had not, I mean, certainly I've read it before, but you know how the word is every day. It's, it's new, right? I read this, and I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I took note of it, and I want to share that with you. Um, let's read, we're going to read first, this is an extended passage. We'll begin in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, and then we'll read also chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, your members in particular. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. But are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all of, of you have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Basically, he's saying there's a lot of gifts, but you don't have all of them, okay? I mean, there may be some of you that have all of them, but generally you don't have them, have them all. And then he says, but covet, covet earnestly the best gifts. 
And then he says this. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. Okay? So here he is talking about all these offices set in the church for purpose. He's talking about all these gifts of the Spirit that are given to us to be used for specific purposes. And then he goes on to say, but wait a minute. Let me show you something that's even more excellent than all of these. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. So again, all these gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way to go about this. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, and charity here is agape, so I'm going I'm to call it love. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, I am a, a, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, but I... oh. And even though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but I don't have love, I am absolutely nothing. And though I bestow all of my stuff, if I give everything I have away to feed the poor, and I even give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it was all for nothing. Love suffers long. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It does not think any evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, meaning it puts up with a lot. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. And then, and then he goes on and, 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 and brings back up these gifts of the Spirit. He says, love never fails. Now, where there's prophecies, they're going to fail. Where there's tongues, they're going to cease. Where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. Because we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, meaning, you know, we look out there and it's almost like we, we can see, but it's kind of like fog, right? We, we don't have real crystal clear vision. But then, when we get to the other side, we're going to see as if we're face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. So now abide faith, hope, and love, these three but the greatest of these is love. You know, there's a lot of focus on the gifts of the Spirit, as there should be. But as we read this, in the absence of love towards one another and our fellow man, those gifts are probably going to be of really little use. Certainly not as effective as the Lord would have them to be. 
And I was reading this this morning, and I was thinking about, you know, gift giving. We had a party for me last night for my birthday, and I got gifts, right? Uh, gifts of love. But I started thinking about these gifts, right? Uh, a prophecy and, and all that we read. Can you think of a gift that, that might be given um, that's not used with the proper intent or that's not used in the proper spirit that might actually bring harm? How about prophecy? False prophets, right? They, they seek to deceive. Even the elect, we just talked about being deceived. So this was um, interesting when I, when I read this because I, I know we focus on, on, the, on the gifts and the offices, which we should, but we can't do that in the absence of a more excellent gift, which is the gift of love from the Father. Amen? Amen. Um, there's more that you can read on your handout, and I'll make this last comment and then we'll close. But, um, you know, judgment begins in the house of God. Has anybody ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've confessed my guilt towards not loving like I should, and judgment begins in the house of, of God. If you have time today, read this Ezekiel 8, verse 15, and go through chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 11. Because um, it's, it's amazing this, what's going on with Ezekiel and what the Lord is showing him in this vision. And it talks about these, um, let's see here, uh, these six men uh, that, that come in this vision, and it, and it says that um, they have, what does he say here, they have destroying weapons in their hand, okay, and, and these are like angelic beings that are, are about to be unleashed and destroy uh, mankind and the earth except for those that have the mark not of the beast but the mark that the, the sixth angel that has the ink horn by his side puts in the forehead of the believers okay but then there's this this passage that says he said to the others in my hearing go after him throughout the city and smite meaning kill let not your eyes spare neither have any pity slay everybody the old the young the maids the little the little children and the women but come not near any man that has the mark upon his head. Again, not 666, but the, the, the mark that the Lord put on the head of the believers. Come not near any man that has the mark. And then he says this, begin at my sanctuary. Wow. He's, he's got these six destroying angels that have these weapons of destruction that are going down to... to kill and that are not to spare and he says to them begin at my sanctuary um, that's a sobering thought okay judgment begins in the house of the Lord I think we all need to be um, introspective and forward and, and examining ourselves to make sure that that we don't find ourselves well not that we don't find ourselves guilty of of um, not displaying love because we will find ourselves but but being quick to remedy that and quick to have grace quick to hear like Monica was talking about this neighbor we don't know the neighbor that had the Biden sign in his yard he may be an absolutely lovely delightful person okay maybe 
maybe his dad was a Democratic senator in Massachusetts growing up, and he's just going to be a Democrat for the rest of his life. I don't know. Nobody knows. And it honestly, it doesn't really matter. It's one of those things we're going to look back and say, all those things I thought were so important, well, mister, they vanished right into the air. Does it matter whether your neighbor is a Democrat? I'm glad Rick's not here to hear this. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at the end of the life, when we get to the end of the path, it's not going to matter. Okay? What will matter and what will last is love, the love of the Lord, being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and flowing out of us to those around us, just like Monica shared the story about the guy at Starbucks. That's powerful. Amen. Thank you for your rapt attention. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. And Tammy, do you have? Um, I enjoyed this today. Les, it was very thought-provoking. And just my comment is kind of going back to initially how you started it was the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm. And uh, in my circle of, um, um, of influence and people that I pal with, um, it's changed over the years, and I can remember in the early days uh, talking with Christians and incidents similar to the story of the Good Samaritan would pop up, and they would say, well, you know, I think so we'll just leave that to someone else to take care of. You know, all these people are passing by, and someone, you know, someone will have compassion, and someone will take care of them. You don't have to do that. You know, there'll be somebody else. Well, God has a great heart, and yes, he will provide, you know, aid, provision, whatever is needed to someone that is suffering. But if we are there and we see that and we have that attitude, we have missed an opportunity. And I know you didn't get to finish on your handout, but uh, you kind of jumped to the end, which was good. Uh, this was Matthew chapter 5, and this is like uh, at the very end of it's close to the, you had uh, 38 through 48, and at the end it said, um, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans uh, do so? Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And we know that the word perfect means to be complete. So if we pass on by, it's not like a check mark next to our name or a blotch, but it's a missed opportunity because if we will exercise that agape, that love, that is spiritually making us more complete. Mm -hmm. So whatever office you might stand in, example that you referenced uh, prophetically if you speak you your desire of course is to be whole and complete in the Lord obviously and you're trying to exercise that love then that gift of prophecy is going to be true prophecy and it's going to be released through the agape of God right. because you're wanting to be like the Father and you're wanting to be complete you, you know you want to and it just brings more spiritual growth to us. Uh, you know, it's not like it's going to knock us back a, a step or two. It's going to just make us more whole. Mm -hmm. 
as we progress in the Lord. That's good. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, well, Dennis, come on up.